right, Zen, I'm here. I didn't go anywhere. Just being fashionably late, you know, CPT. Zen, can you hear me? Zen. I can hear you. I can right. hear you. Just wanted to make sure. All right. All right, my brother. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Stay Lethal Podcast. We're looking forward to having a great show for you this uh, today. We're going to talk about NBA's most lethal scorers, as Zen just got finished informing you. Um, there's a particular reason I wanted to cover this topic today, Zen. Let me tell you the reason. Let me tell you the reason why this topic came to my came to my mind, and why I think this is an important topic for us to cover. I was uh, listening to a conversation being had on YouTube somewhere, and they were talking about how the NBA scoring has increased. In fact, you know who actually started the conversation was Lou Williams. Lou Williams was talking about how the scoring had gone up in the NBA and, you know, back in the 90s, dudes were scoring 90 to 100 points. And, you know, in the current NBA, you got teams scoring 120, 130 points. Now, there's reasons for that. Uh, we'll, we'll cover that along the way throughout the course of our conversation also. But it made me think about something, Zen, that was really interesting. And what it made me think was, if since the scoring has gone up so much in the NBA, you would think that, I mean, because these guys are saying this to make arguments that there's better scoring and better scorers in the NBA right now, and I'm not really necessarily so sure of that. Because it made me think about something. Since the scoring has gone up by about 30 points easy, at least, in an average game, you would think that the people who held the scoring titles in the NBA, you would see a significant, you know, gap between how much people were scoring at one time in the NBA and now. And you know what? When I looked at it, Zen, it's not that much of a big difference at all. No, it's really not. And the offensive pace is not really that different either. I mean, isn't that isn't that interesting? Or, you know, was, was I the only person who found it interesting? I find it pretty interesting, and it made me think about um, you know something? I think it would be really interesting and also very good for us to actually examine the scoring title holders in the NBA. And there's a couple of reasons why I think that it's important. First off, I'm not really a big fan of the Johnny Come Latelys. There's a lot of people who talk about basketball, and we can all talk about basketball, but, you know, it's kind of hard to talk about certain players that you haven't seen so you don't have a certain level of respect for what these players did and i'm not going to say right. that like everybody in the nba was all world at every point but the point is that without having a a basis you know if you only see if i watch basketball today and it's the first time i watch basketball ever in my life i might come to a certain conclusion that i might not have come to if i would have seen some players who played in other eras so i think it's just a good conversation for us to take a look at the most lethal scorers in the NBA. And I'm quantifying this on scoring titles. And this is another reason why I think this is a good conversation to have. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of accolades you can earn in the NBA. Mm -hmm. All right. You, there's a lot of accolades to hand out in the NBA. And a lot of these accolades can be debatable for mm -hmm. various reasons. But there's something about a scoring title in the NBA that holds a lot of weight. And here are a couple of reasons why. One, only one person wins it. Only one person wins it for the whole year. Only one person is going to win a scoring title. And there's only one way to win a scoring title. And that's for you to go out and earn it. Yeah. And then the next thing about the scoring title that's also important to know is that um, 
I lost my train of thought for a second is and I have one more point I was going to make, but mm -hmm. um, it's just interesting that um, there are other accolades like MVPs, mm -hmm. which can be voted on. Yeah. Um, even the defensive player of the year is something that's voted on, right? Yeah. A, a scoring title, the only way you get a scoring title. All right. Is numerics it's it's simple so it's, it's not it's not a uh, it's not a subjective accolade it sure. is very objective and it's very concrete sure and i don't believe those other awards can be need to be so subjective but that's a conversation for another day and i agree with you but you know you can you have players who we we and you both know we've watched enough basketball to see people who've deserved to win MVPs that didn't get them. Why? Because maybe they won too many already. And then people start feeling like, oh, well, let's not give this guy an MVP because maybe he's won too many already. You and know? that's why that's why metrics are important, because they take the, the bias out of things. Right now, there is no question, according to metrics, who should be the MVP in the, in the NBA this year. And nobody wants to say it because we don't want to see him win again. Right. But it's Jokic. Right. And we exactly. all know it. And, and it's like, oh, come on. It doesn't feel like he's the MVP. But if you really, really ever tried to argue it, you would be dead ass wrong in just about every aspect of the way because he doesn't meet an eye test a certain way that some players do. And that may come down to clutch performance. That's something that should be analyzed in terms of value. That's not as maybe as much as it should. Exactly. So the thing I like about this is that we're not going to have to go and, you know, debate over who are the most lethal scorers in the NBA. These people have earned their earned their rights of being some of the most lethal scorers in the NBA. And these people have earned they have earned the respect for you to put the respect on their name. Now, we're not we're not judging this based off of who's won more championships than who. But there's going to be certain yeah. things that you're going to find out when you take a look at this list, because. Um, I'm going to say it again. The average score, the mm -hmm. average scoring title position mm -hmm. is only maybe one, maybe two points different uh, now between when it was in the 90s. Remember, Michael Jordan averaged 37 point, what was it, 37.1, 37, 37.6, 37.1 points a game uh, one season, which is nuts because we haven't even seen that ever no. in the modern era of basketball. And he no. played when they were only scoring, let's just say they were playing nine, scoring 90 to a hundred points. Yeah. Why is that the case? And that also is a very interesting conversation to be had because when we go through this conversation, we're also going to see other things, other things that yeah. we're going to come across are there are certain players that you're going to find out that there were rule changes made. Sure. To affect their to, to, to specifically affect them and impact on the game. There well, were certain players who were so impactful that rules were changed. Can we start with the greatest of all time and, and how because he is the greatest scorer of all time. It's it's Facts. pretty plain. Can we Facts. start there with how things were changed when it came to him? And I think that that's a perfect place to start because I think that one, there are so many things when you start talking about and, and when you say the greatest, uh Zen. This is not this isn't even like a debatable because at the end of the day, no. there are only two people that we're going to cover on this list. Only two people who have covered on this list. And mostly mm -hmm. I, I, I really like to focus on people who've scored more than one scoring title. Right. Mostly right. I'm gonna cover people who scored more than one scoring title, which is a, which is very um, significant. Mm -hmm. But when you have a person who scored seven scoring titles. 
How about 10? Well, I was just saying, Zen, I was just saying in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a row, my bad. <laughs> there was a brief interruption there. <laughs> no, it's all good. But I mean, still in all, man, that is incredible. And yeah, so like... let's get this thing started. Let's get cooking. Uh, Zen, yeah. why don't we start with none other than the great and infamous Wilt Chamberlain. Also, mm. um, me starting with Wilt, there's one more thing I want to get prefacing this. Uh, yeah. Another reason why I felt as though this was a really good topic for us to cover is because I'm not sure if people are paying attention lately. Right now, scoring in the NBA is through the roof. We've had some significantly incredible and profound scoring that's taken place from Donovan Mitchell's 71-point game, Luka Doncic with a, a 60, uh, a 60. What do, what do they have, like 60-something points with a triple-double? Oh, yeah, 60-point uh, triple-double. We just watched Klay Thompson hit 54. I just watched Giannis hit 55 the other day. Yeah. I mean, like, these guys are really putting these numbers up, and it really made me think about well, let's take a look at um, the, the, the the legit most lethal scorers because it's easy to score a bunch of points in one game. Kobe, we know he scored 80 points one game or whatever, but it's a yeah. whole other thing to sustain it over the course of an entire NBA season. So uh, I love the fact that you talked about one of the greatest because on this list, there's only two people I'm going to cover that are going to be as decorated in scoring titles as this man. There's only two people even in the same ballpark when you start talking about uh, Wilt. So let's get started with Wilt. This All right. Pre-modern NBA. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll keep this into keep this into consideration and into account. It's pre-modern NBA. Um, his uh, you know, his career numbers are not crazy. Only in one only in one category are they a little crazy. I'm looking at his career numbers right now. Will play 1,045 games. He scored 30 points per game. That's reasonable. Yes, it is. Right? 23 rebounds a game, not so reasonable. <laughs> I don't come think on. that's happening in the modern NBA. Come on, come on. Right. And and I want you, I want to put things in context when we start talking about Wilt because there's yeah. a lot of people who talk crazy about Wilt, but I'm going to tell you some things that are going to blow your mind. And I think it's important to have this conversation because I think a lot of people, they spend too mm -hmm. much time listening to people who, who who only give you parts of stories and dribs and drabs of stories. And I'm going to be honest, I never, I didn't see Wilt play. I didn't need to. But I didn't I either. Respect for the history of game. And when you look at right. the numbers, it just shows you everything you need to know about how dominant that this man is. Not so, only that, go listen to him talk. Yep. He was the most cocky. We passed a few minutes now. He was the most cocky motherfucker you ever seen in your life was Wilt Chamberlain. He had a reason to be. Go listen to him to talk. And so that, yeah. to that tells you a lot about somebody in their era that he's, he felt so free about it. I saw a documentary on Will Chamberlain where other players were talking about how strong this dude was. Right. And he was remember, like a, he back was like a those, modern marvel. To yeah, people. back in those days, you had like him, Jim Brown. You had some dudes who were who were um, just out of this worldly renowned for their athleticism. And Wilt was just one of those dudes. He was one of those freaks that this, just comes along. This is a man who entered the NBA. Let's see, in 1959-1960, he won Rookie of the Year. So he's coming in at the height, basically, of the Civil Rights Movement. Yep. So he is he is getting 
he is one of the first black athletes to get the full spectrum opportunity. Yes, yes, yes. Right. And uh, I want people to keep in mind that Will played in an era that there was no three-point line. There was right. no three-pointer in Will's day of playing basketball. Not right? that he would have been a threat from three. He would have been a threat from three. I'm pretty he wouldn't sure have been that. a threat from three. But nowadays, you right. see centers who are able to go out and put threes and tap these on. I'm just saying this yeah. to keep these in context that Jokic sure. hits threes. Joel Embiid yeah. hits threes. Will didn't even have an opportunity to hit a three if he wanted to. Wasn't even right? a thought. It wasn't a thought or anything like that. Aside from that, they specifically mm -hmm. implemented a rule. This is the biggest handicap rule I think they've ever created in the NBA. And it, I'm going I'm to I'm 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 juxtapose this by putting things in perfect perspective for you to see just how amazing that regardless of which way you look at it, Will, what he did, his numbers are, they're just incredible because Will played where they banned him from dunking. The dunk from was dunking. illegal. Yeah. That, I mean, if that ain't some white privilege, what is? <laughs> so I oh, want he's, you guys to think he's scoring about too much. Stop him from, he can't score that way no more. So when I start going down the numbers here, for the for the average points that he's, he, he, he these things that earned him the scoring title, remember, he didn't dunk to get, and he was bigger than everybody. We can all yeah. agree on that back in those days. Yeah. But think about this. He wasn't allowed to dunk. They had to change the rules because this when when as soon as fairness gets introduced and you discover you're not so superior anymore, you got to change the rules. Exactly, and this has happened. And just to put this in contrast, uh, we yep. all are familiar with Shaquille O'Neal, the great, yeah. uh, quote unquote, most dominant center in the NBA. I want you to imagine Shaquille O'Neal playing in a league where he wasn't able to dunk. Oh my goodness! Would he still be that dominant? Yeah, yeah. Because well, all he'd do is go over the basket and drop it in. That's yeah. I mean, you know, he we, would we be. hope we 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 we'd like to think that. I mean, it's still we don't really know because remember, Shaquille mm -hmm. O'Neal is definitely not a shooter at all. No, um, he no, but he he, he would have adjusted. Well, I mean, we'd like to believe he would have adjusted, but Shaquille O'Neal's um, numbers would have definitely gone down. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. I don't think that they would have been nowhere near as high as they were, but I do believe that great players do learn to adjust. Shaquille O'Neal came into the league being able to run a fast break. Yeah. But, you know, according, but, you know, that's not what his coaches wanted to do. So I do think he'd be able to adjust. How much would he be able to adjust? Who knows? Size. But I want you to think about all of these players that you've seen right now who are able to have the privilege of being able to dunk. And then imagine what much more Will would have been able to do if they would have actually allowed him to dunk. Speaking of dunkers, my friend. Yes, sir. And let me tell you how timely this conversation is. One of the greatest dunkers of all time just got passed on the all-time scoring list. That's how timely this conversation is. Kevin Durant has surpassed Dominique Wilkins on the all-time scoring list as of yes, sir. 33 minutes ago. Yeah. Back to well, you, we, well, we, I, we saw that coming. I think that they already announced that um, uh, last game on um, NBA TV. They said it was coming up. So congratulations yeah. to Kevin Durant. Uh, you know, you're going to have your time on this, uh, on this, uh, on this program, program too. But the thing about Wilt Chamberlain is Wilt won seven scoring titles in a row. In 59, he averaged 37.6 points per game. Winning a, a scoring title, which is yep. insane. And in 60, he comes back and averages 38.4. Keep wait. Don't stop. 
Like, Keep listen, going. Those two numbers right there. I'm going to tell you guys something as we go through this. Those two numbers right there. All right. I want you to think about those numbers because we're going to go through a lot of people with scoring titles. But those two numbers, I want you to think about those. Because in 61, he came back and averaged 50.4 points a game. This man averaged 50. Which is just unrealistic. No dunks. Podcast. <laughs> Salute to them. In 62, he came back averaging 44.8. He slowed down a little. Yeah, just a little bit. He, he put the, pumped his foot on the brakes. Then came we're back talking, in We're talking 80 game schedule. Yeah, came back in 63, 36.9 points a game. 64, 34.7, 65, 33.5. And I want you just to think about this, guys. And just to put this in perspective, this man was this. This is seven scoring titles in a row that this man won with mm. no dunks. Mm. Biggest handicap I think there is out there, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, but he was playing in an era where he was also his opponents were handicapped by his equality. <laughs> yeah, and that's correct. That's, that's and, true and too. They, they 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 balance it out. But uh, but the thing is, the thing that's the reason why Wilt needs respect on his game on his yeah. name is because the numbers he put up were outer worldly. The handicap Absolutely. that they gave him really made him have, which means that you have to understand something that Wilt did some finger rolls. Wilt did some shots. You can go back and look at footage of Wilt, see him hitting shots from, you know, not not even, you know, just sitting posting up underneath the rim and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. Wilt actually had to do things that a lot of people don't want to give him credit, meaning that he had to actually shoot the basketball. He had to actually implement other parts of his game. It wasn't just like he was sitting there, you know, standing Touching. next to the rim and just dunking the ball like it wasn't anything. Mind yeah. you, he was kind of my imagination of Wilt's game. My, my imagination of Will's game was LaMelo scoring 92. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I how mean, else do you score 100? How else do you score 100? Well, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that because how Melo did it was the contrast. I mean, remember, there was no three-point line back then. Melo did it shooting a million and one threes playing video game basketball. You already know. <laughs> they, were, they had Melo camped out at the top of the key on one side of the court and play mm -hmm. four on four on defense. And then whenever there was, a, you know, they get the ball from. Oh, all right, all right. You actually just, saw the game. Yeah, I saw the tape when he scored. This is how I got introduced to the ball family. He scored 92 points in high school. And it was nothing but, okay, feed him the ball so he can one-on-one -on -one beat this dude down there who's five foot three or whatever, something like that. He was six foot five. He's, he's got somebody guarding him that's maybe six foot tall, one-on-one. -on -one. So they would just throw him the ball after a rebound. And he right. just have a one on one at the other end. That's how he scored ninety two points. Something so it was like kind of like it was kind of like that little white boy that was covering Zion Williamson in high school kind of thing. Something like that. Add yeah. add cherry picking to it. It was a good piece of a, a good piece of publicity. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, got man, my that's attention. crazy. I haven't yeah. even gone back and looked at the game. I'm glad that you did, Zen. I, I got to check it out just to see it because I was like, hundred points. Like so, basically, it was a it was a force fed hundred. I'm not sure how it happened with Wilt. I really don't know. It, I just got to imagine it was something like, you know, all right, these you got these old, well, I don't, I don't want to, let's call them Bob Cousy level players versus a new breed who is, you know, moving into what we have now. 
it, before the league was really black. Let's just say it before the league and, was really, really black. And then that is where else I wanted to go to. Because I feel as though when you look at Wilt being cocky, I think that Wilt, I think that Wilt had a reason to be cocky. Think about it. We know that Boston has never really been friendly to black folks. You can even no. look at the current players and they can even tell you about that. We can even see, um, I'm not going to go into too many crazy things, but um, we've seen some really interesting stuff happen uh, out there. But I think that Will also, just as being... Um, Will didn't play in Boston, though. Yeah, he didn't, but he did play in the NBA during yeah. a time where racial tensions were probably a lot higher than we've ever seen. All right? <sighs> As being uh, as being a, a, a black man uh-huh. with a point to prove, and yeah. saying to the league, "All right, you guys don't want me to dunk. You guys, you, these guys shouldn't even be in the same. They shouldn't even be on the same court with me. I'm gonna show you guys mm-hmm. and make sure that you put some respect on uh, black people's name when it comes down to this sport here." And oh, yeah. he went out there and he proved it with these numbers. I just want to make sure that y'all understand those numbers I just went through. Those are the numbers from. Seven scoring titles that he won in a row, and those numbers that he has there—the lowest of those averages is thirty-three point five points a game. But the listen, lowest, the, re- the lowest of, of the rebound totals for those years is twenty-four point three. Come on, twenty-four point three. That see, that's why you got to look at that era and no know, contest. Yeah, drop him into modern modern day, and I'm not going to say who he would be because he would be Wilt Chamberlain. He'd be a great, but he wouldn't be putting up these numbers. And if you take well, somebody from today's game and dropped him in the 90s, they wouldn't be putting up these numbers. And uh, uh, that's another point that I want to uh, juxtapose also because of this. This is the reason why we can't play time machine basketball. You got to take them for where they were because right. if I were to take, let's say, Kevin Durant, a great scorer, and I go and put him back in Will Chamberlain's ever, you have to take away – all of the training that he got, all of those people who 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 whole basketball knowledge came off of people who were after that period and had the ability to shoot threes. In other words, yep. you're putting him back without a lot of tools that are essential to him. And then if you take Wilton, you Chuck put him Taylor's into, on. And then if you put Wilton in KDs, that remind you, you're 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 boosting his a, a dude who was already at dominant. Imagine him boosted up with a supercharging it with artificial intelligence with all of this with all of this modern nba information and input that mm-hmm. you know these 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 new players and habits the better habits that players have these days too the ability to take care of themselves the ability yeah. to take a look back in the record books and see things other people did and mm-hmm. things that were successful so that's the reason why we can't really play video game um video game uh time machine stuff but at the right. same time it's important to uh respect because without these without these pioneers we wouldn't have the game that we have right now. From this sure. era, the NBA realized eventually that, hey, you know what? Duncan is more exciting. I'm going to move along here because I don't want to stay too long on here. But we're going to move along to a, other, a few other pioneers. But those were seven scoring titles in a row. And I, I promise you that you're, you're – I don't think we're going to see that in the modern era of basketball ever. I mean, even, even if the numbers are lower, I don't see us having somebody winning seven scoring titles in a row. Maybe Luca. Maybe he's he's young enough to do it, and he's got green light enough to do it. We'll see, but yeah. it's going to be very difficult. I, I even with Luca, I, I mean, I, I, I think that I think that's an interesting name to put out there because I, I still feel highly about Luca as well. But Luca's got to you know go out there and 
get a scoring title. You know, he's got to start by getting one before mm-hmm. he can move on to, to to being able to, for me to be able to foresee him doing that. And we're yeah. a long cry from that. Another person worth mentioning, because, um, of course, remember that we had an NBA that was, we're talking about pre-modern NBA. Uh, mm-hmm. And just because this person uh, needs some respect put on his name uh, as one of the greatest Lakers of all time and the man on the NBA logo. Now, I uh, only have him with one scoring title, but Jerry West averaged 31.2 and 69 and uh, also uh, put respect on uh, the point guard position and a point guard whose ability to score. Uh, so I thought he's definitely worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. Makes him a, a combo guard. Um, I don't know much about Jerry West and that era of Laker basketball with Jamal Wilkes and those guys, but you know, I understand he came up short, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's uh, that was the the bane of his existence, but has had a second life after that. But um, yeah, Jerry, uh, interesting character, if nothing else. I'm so su- I'm actually surprised that he was a scoring champion. Yeah, and I was too, and it was uh, definitely worthwhile me uh, throwing it out there. And that's in '69, battling with the you know at the tail end of uh, the uh, Will Chamberlain dominance in scoring titles. Now, here's another player that really needs um, a lot of mention uh, because, first off, this man's name uh, reigns in immortality amongst being the most lethal scorers in the NBA. This man is the currently holds the um, the most points ever scored in NBA history. This person is a two-time scoring champ. He has the most MVPs in NBA history. He has the most prolific collegiate career in NBA history by a long shot. And what I mean by that, this person went undefeated in college four times never lost four a game times. in college at all and i'm speaking about none other than lou al cinder aka kareem abdul jabbar yes sir i thought you was gonna say kent baysmore for a second there <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean you know there's only there's only but a handful of people that that fall and i want people to think about this kareem played Four years of college, never lost. He has uh, came in as you know, just his 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 basketball career is just amazing. He patented a shot that you know, and I was having a conversation with my brother the other day. This is a funny conversation. You'll enjoy this one, uh, Zen. Mm-hmm. Kareem came with the hook shot, the sky hook, unblockable. And I was t- talking to my brother about it, and I was saying, you notice that the dude who has the most points in NBA in NBA history, nobody else takes his shot. But then I was thinking about other people who take the hook shot, and I was like, you know, I said, I think his size had a lot to do with his hook shot's effectiveness. You don't want to see a little dude taking a hook shot. You ever see a little dude take a, sh- a hook? And you know, Baby usually hook. when they take that shot, you see it occasionally, and it's usually really nasty, right? It was like it's like the predecessor to the floater. The little baby hook was the predecessor to the floater. They usually take that hook shot when they're literally out of all options. Yep, I'm (laughs) running sideways, uh, you know, against the basket that way. It's usually a real nasty shot, you know what I mean? Right. Getting blocked, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had this thing down packed. And the thing about it is, 
this is a shot that requires a lot of touch and a lot of skill. Mind you're yeah. shooting over your over your other shoulder. Exactly. And uh I mean he had that down packed. So uh, wild, he last man. played It's not easy. That's why it hasn't been so imitated. It's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy, man. It's a real skill to take that shot and to be as prolific mm-hmm. as you are with Kareem. I mean, think about it. He took that shot to college, never lost. He took it to the NBA, won titles, um, you know, has um multiple um scoring titles. And there's more things I'm gonna um more in interesting information I'm gonna tell you guys about Kareem Abdul Jabbar too. And that's the reason why it's important to have respect on some of these um iconic figures from the past because they've done things that the dudes that you're currently watching you would only wish that they do. Kareem Abdul was not only the number one scorer, not only is he the number one scorer in NBA history He's the number three rebounder in NBA history. And he's number three in NBA all-time blocks. Where's where's LeBron James on rebounds, NBA history rebounds? I wonder. Uh, you'd have to look that up. I'm, I never looked up LeBron's rebounds. LeBron has a bunch of rebounds, but there have been uh, people who rebounded more than him. But yeah. over a 20-year career, you got to figure he's got to be getting up there. I mean, it's not like yeah, this he's, guy. Yeah, he's got to be, but... He's not he's not a very prolific rebounder though. Yeah, but I mean he's 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 you know got eight, nine, you know, he's been up there as far we'll, as we'll do we'll do we'll do a LeBron James episode. That's a promise. LeBron's coming up on Kareem's record. We'll we'll delve deep into that. Excellent. Not the topic for today. Will. Yeah. And and a thing that's that's profound about Kareem is Kareem last played basketball in the eighty nine ninety season. And mm. he's still. Mm-hmm. He has a record Still. that hasn't been broken, and come on, think yeah. about that. That's, think a, about that's that. a long, long, long record, and it represents longevity and participation. Um, like yeah. I said, we're gonna we're gonna do a a LeBron James episode, and I promise, absolutely no shade. That's right. So Kareem has more points, more rebounds, more blocks, more titles, more MVPs than Shaq, and not to mention an impeccable collegiate career. And he's also an NYC legend uh, from high school. He won scoring titles in 1970, where he averaged 31.6. And in 71, he averaged 34.8. Let me Didn't share lose in high school either, right? Nope. Nope. Not, not that I'm aware of. Um, didn't lose until he got to the NBA. I didn't check his high school records, but he was a legend in high school. He's my dad's generation, so I heard about Kareem all of the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I, I did happen to be able to see just a, li- a couple of his games right when he was about to retire. Oh, but yeah. 34.8 points a game. I want to let you guys know something. If you see somebody's averaging 34.8 points a game in the NBA right now, they're winning a scoring title. I can promise you that. Yeah, that's about what Luca's averaging at this time, about mm-hmm. 34 a game. So you, you, he's leading right now. I think you're dead on. Yeah, I mean, I think that Luke is on his way. I think Luke is on his way to winning multiple scoring titles, but we'll get around to him. Um, you also have Bob McAdoo, who averaged 34.7 and 74. Um, and there's another player that needs an honorable mention. And the reason why this person needs an honorable mention is because he has three scoring titles, all right? But this is prior to the merger between the ABA and NBA. And we're talking about none other than Julius Irvin, a.k.a. Dr. J. Dr. J was one of the uh, charismatic figures that facilitated for the NBA bringing a dunk back 
because the ABA was so much more exciting than the NBA because the NBA was the no fun league without letting people be able to dunk and Dr. J and the ABA were competitive. Plus yeah. they had all of the black athletes, you know what I mean? Yep. And so Connie you know, the NBA needed to, NBA needed a makeover and uh Dr. J was just the juice that they infused. So for yep. people who who um who minimize Dr. J's impact on the game understand that he was one of the quintessential figures in allowing the NBA to become the modern NBA you see it now because Dr. J was just that flamboyant, that entertaining and just that dominant uh coming into the NBA. So he may not have had, you know, may not have been able to win his championships in the NBA, but he was well renowned. He was world renowned as being probably the best player on the planet when he was coming oh, yeah. to the NBA. The doctor, growing the up in doctor. PA, that was the that was the big hype. Growing up in PA was the doctor. Yes, sir. And you know, the interesting thing about it is that we're getting we're getting closer and closer to the um to the era of one of the most prominent figures uh, soon and a lot of their a lot of comparisons between um between michael jordan and julius urban when he first came to the league because they hadn't seen a high flyer like that uh well actually they had seen a high flyer let me get to a couple of other people in 1984 bernard king all right and and i'm bringing his name up because they did the nba's top 75 players and Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with watching a Spike Lee movie. Spike Lee has an awesome movie called Crooklyn where he shows the Knicks. And people who are Knicks fans, like my dad was a Knicks fan, or any old school Knicks fans out there will tell you, the best Knicks they ever saw, all right, was Bernard, Bernard King. King. Bernard King is, his his numbers in the bleachers, he is a legend. Bernard King has a scoring title with 32.9 points a game. He wasn't able to win a title. But it, I thought it was really kind of crazy because there are other Knicks that are in the Hall of Fame, and um, you know, and Bernard is there as well. But I was surprised that they didn't have him a little bit higher ranked because he is. Uh, when you when you talk about Knicks basketball, that is probably the you know that is the dude that they that's the dude that they love the most of any Nick is Bernard King. Um, you know, and he does have that scoring title of uh, 32.9 points a game. Mm-hmm. And 32.9 is very respectable. If you average 32.9 points a game in the NBA right now, I'm going to go out on a limb that you are probably going to win a scoring title. You are probably going to win a scoring title at 32, practically 33 points a game in the NBA, even as we oh. speak. Man, it's close. It's going to be close. Luca's Luca's right at thirty-four. Well, you're talking about this year. Remember, you can yeah. look at the last five years before this. You could take a look in this era of basketball right now. I'm trying to tell you, thirty-two point nine will most years will will win you a scoring title in the NBA. Most years that will win you a scoring title. In so eighty-five, I'm looking at, looking at a couple years. Couple years ago, you had Harden th- thirty-four. Harden thirty six. Mm-hmm. Um, that was uh, that was actually some of the higher scoring averages. Yeah, definitely, definitely that was since some Kobe. Of the higher scoring averages, for real. Yeah, he's he's an outlier. No yeah, he is. It. But um, and he, when we have a whole segment where we're going to talk about my man, Mister Harden, because Mister Harden, um, was able to do some phenomenal things. But you know, like I talked about, there were rule changes, and since the rules changed, he hasn't he been got back hurt. on that level at all. <laughs> oh, he got hurt. Yeah, he got hurt, and that that happens sometimes. 
In 85, we have Dominique, who averaged 30.33 points a game, got him a scoring title. Dominique Wilkins is also one of the most profound dunkers in NBA history. I believe he has a couple of uh, dunk championships, dunk titles. I haven't looked that up, but I remember Dominique Wilkins, and I remember him being in those dunk contests. Dominique was oh, yeah. really one of the more uh, energetic figures in the NBA who also brought a lot, of, a lot of eyes and a lot of attention to the NBA. Dominique, uh, unlike most dunkers, he took off from two feet all of the time. <laughs> he dunked with two feet and two hands most of the time, and he was – they used to call – what was his nickname? Remember his nickname, Zen? Nick, Nick the Freak. No, the human highlight film. Human highlight film, Nick the Freak. That's yeah. right. That's right. Dominique Wilkins, human highlight film. Great, great stuff. Look him up if you guys want to see some amazing dunking. Take a, take a look at it. Because Dominique was dunking in traffic, chest to chest in people and all kinds of stuff. He was he was serious. Yeah, he was he was Michael Jordan's dunk rival at the time. That's yes, the person sir. who could stand closest with MJ when it came to dunking. Which now brings us to the Era of his airness, Michael Jordan. Two, three. Now, like I said, uh, Will Chamberlain had 10 scoring titles, seven in a row. <clears throat> you will not see anybody else get seven scoring titles in a row until, until <clears throat> you get to Michael Jordan. And... Had he not had a brief retirement, probably would have been more than that. And that's another thing, because you're absolutely right, because he actually retired for two years, basically, when his father passed away. And he left the league as a he left the league leading the league in scoring. Yep. And he came back to the he came back to the league, leading the league in scoring again. You know? And 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 picked up like he came back like he left something. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get a couple games under my belt. I'll be all right. Right, right. So let's go here and let's take a look at Michael Michael uh, Jeffrey Jordan here. In 86, Mike averaged 37.1 points a game, which is insane. Insane. In the modern That's the era. highest scoring average you'll see since Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, and... Not only that, I mean, he rattles off seven scoring titles in a row. He comes back after that, averaging 35. He wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't, don't just gloss over the next year. Okay, what okay. Did he, what did he average in 88, 89? I'm sorry, 87, 88? So in 87, he's averaging 35. 37, now he, he averaged 37.1. Okay, hold up. He, was, he averaged 35 and 87, 88, right? That's right, 88. He, he also won Defensive Player of the Year that season. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And Michael Jordan's, when you get into the accolades, when you get into accolades category, I mean, Michael Jordan is just, he's just different. He he's done he's done everything there is to do. He's done he's done so many things. When you talk about most lethal scorers, it's like you know, I mean, you can't talk he's about it. scoring in the NBA without and and this isn't this isn't a pre modernistic NBA. This is an NBA with. 24 second clocks. This is the NBA with three point lines with Shaquille O'Neal's and David Robinson's and Allen Iverson's floating around. Yeah, he played with Magic and Bird and all of these other guys out here who were great players, Hall mm -hmm. of Famers. Uh, you know, he's played with other great scorers, he's played with other legendary players. Uh, and you know, and he played where you had to play man on man defense. So, uh, in a, in a, in a, he played through 
teams that have some of the most lethal defenses ever in the NBA also. He played against those bad boy Pistons. Oh, yeah, the Pistons, for sure. And he came in and he was doing his thing. All Now, when you're talking about a, a scoring average, you're talking about some games you score more, of course, some games you score less, but you're talking about um, you're talking about the you're talking about the duration of a season. We're not talking about like one or two outlying games. We're talking about oh, yeah. these are averages that reflect an entire season worth of work, a whole body worth of work. So these numbers that he put up were pretty impressive, and he won scoring titles. Meaning that, remember that only one player wins a scoring title each year. It's not like somebody wins a scoring title in the East and somebody wins a scoring title in the West. One person wins it, and that means that. Of all of the scorers in the NBA, this is the dude, you know, that showed that he was the best scorer, period. Absolutely. So, 88, he comes back at 32, 32 and a half. In 89, he came back and upped the ante uh, um, to 33.6. 90, he averaged 31.5, which he took it a little bit easy in 90. 91, he averaged 30.1. 92, he averaged 32.6. The thing about 90 through, um, the thing about those uh, early 90s, though, when he came and he did that during that period of time, remember there's something else that happened. Remember what that was then? Other than his brief retirement? Prior to his brief retirement, because remember that he he, he went into retirement with a three-peat. Yeah, I mean, it was the incident with his father. Right, exactly. But he won yeah. three titles. Yeah. He didn't win one title one year. No, he didn't, he didn't go win up and down. two titles, which you know you do good if you win two titles. He three peated. Hmm. Once he climbed the, he climbed the mountain, and the only thing that was going to stop him was injury. Yep, three or something like that. Something like what happened. Three peated with scoring titles, so right. that's uh that's very important. And that's that's really extremely important to note because you got people singing the praises of Luka Doncic, rightfully so, mm-hmm. and other high scorers who haven't won. And and we looked at, you know, a certain player's box plus minus in the finals, and despite his four championships and, you know, approach to Kareem's record, he has a negative record, negative box plus minus in the finals. Yeah, so, and it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But this and, dude, I, and I want you to also think about it, because then you pointed something out. Remember, mm-hmm. you said if Mike hadn't retired. Now, in Mike's retirement, Shaquille O'Neal and David Robinson would occupy the scoring title thrones over those years of Mike's hiatus. So David Robinson in 93 yeah. would finally win a scoring title at 29.7 points. Right. All right. Shaquille O'Neal in 94 came back and won a scoring title at 90 at 29.3. Right. But then Mike comes back, gets a full season up underneath him. Not partial mm-hmm. season. In 95, he averages 30.4. Wins a scoring title. Back to it. In 96, he comes back, takes his foot off the break a little bit. Still averages 29.6 and wins a scoring title. In 97, he wins a scoring title, which was his lowest uh, um, averages on the season, and still won a scoring title with 28.7. And that was another three-peat. His last shot, the last shot he took when he retired his second time, Right? At Utah. It was Utah. That was a game winner. Sure a, was. A walk-off. Infamous walk-off. It was a walk-off a walk-off game-winning shot. I mean, and game six of the finals. 
I'm not exactly sure what are the way that, that you can make a, uh, an impression. Now, I know a lot of people want to bring up, remember that Mike's already retired at this point. He retires yeah. again. He would only come back to the NBA. And when he came back to the NBA, I remember when he went to the Wizards, he went back to the Wizards to be president of the operations. He yeah, didn't I mean, come back to the Wizards like, hey, I'm going to nah. outright play. He ended up actually playing. But, I mean, he went back mm. there to, to, to start getting his feet wet and, you know, in – behind the scenes basketball and then blessed us by actually stepping on the court we were grateful that mike came back to basketball yeah because the only thing he really did was kind of injure his career numbers a little bit pretty much <laughs> pretty much did. and I, I want you to understand when mike came back to the wizards he came back as president of operations mike did not sign on to come back as a player he blessed us coming back he came back to be a president and his competitive nature brought him back to the court so you know what i'll do it Shit. <laughs> and we, yeah, in fact, there's some funny interviews. In fact, I have a a, a, a hilarious interview with Stephen Jackson, mm. who talks about if Mike came back and he got on him in the locker room about how they played terrible. <laughs> and oh, then yeah. he was in practice the next day with the he, with the uh, with the backup squad. Fresh off a cigar, Mike beat the starters. Of course, he did. <laughs> Out of retirement. Fresh off a, a whiskey and a cigar. Come on, about, man. That's crazy. Let me just stretch a little bit. Dude was just different, man. That's what I'm sorry. I, I know it's I don't want to get into the debate, but this generation doesn't understand how MJ had not just Bulls fans, but everyone in America and everyone in the world watching. It yes, wasn't sir. it wasn't this localized thing. It wasn't this tribal thing. There was no split down the middle. There was no you know, great divide. It was everybody was like, "Yeah, this is it. And, <laughs> this is it right here." And 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 to be quite honest with you, thank goodness Mike retired, because uh, some people might not have been able to win nothing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he was he was just sucking the life out of the air, and yeah, you know, and, and other people had a chance when Mike retired, which was a good thing. Now, it was a tremendous ride. I remember being so hurt by his retirement, just feeling like I was being robbed. But then when he came back, it was like the greatest thing in the world. And you had no doubt he was going to win again. And then he just went and did it three more times. And after, probably after the second one, it was like, all right, man, this dude, this is, this is it. And then he goes and wins a second three-peat. And you're like, all right, there's nothing else for him to prove. Nothing. It was, he proved it. He, he, he proved it twice. And that's why I think that people don't understand. They say six titles. Yeah. They don't understand. He three-peated twice. That's he domination. proved it twice. I that's mean, six, what, six years of consecutive domination. That's what that is. It's it's not even a flight. There are things that we could say we could debate. It's not even a far cry that if Mike didn't retire, that he could have kept on winning. He was just that good. But yeah. after when Mike left, this after when Mike leaves the second time. Now we have a, now we have a battle for the throne, and this is the interesting thing. So now let's start ushering in people. And remember, I wanted to qualify this mostly by dealing with people who have multiple scoring titles. Why? Because I think that if you win multiple scoring titles, you are a significant factor in NBA. Period. Point blank. So remember mm -hmm. that. Allen Iverson. Mm -hmm. Allen Iverson comes in in '98 when Mike isn't playing. Mm -hmm. And then he actually wins a scoring title. Now, I want to share something with you because Allen Iverson only averaged 26.7 this year. But I want everybody to understand that this was a lockout year in the NBA. So it was an NBA lockout. They only played 48 games. Yep. Allen Iverson 
wins a scoring title in the lockout year. And I think but that's Allen the Iverson, lowest. That's going to be the lowest point total for a scoring champion since Bob Pettit. Yep. Oh, sorry, Paul. Uh, Paul. George Yardley, 27.8. Yep. Yeah. But that's a that's low. Most people aren't going to win a scoring title with twenty six point seven points. Yeah. But you know it's important to, to let it be known that that was not a full year of basketball. It was a lockout. Um, you know there were things that were happening there. However, Allen Iverson. This wouldn't be Allen Iverson's only scoring title. Allen Iverson actually wins four scoring titles for his career. But in ninety nine, Shaq comes back and wins his second scoring title the at twenty nine point seven. Now the Diesel, a person that we all universally agree was a dom- was the most dominant big in the league. All right. Oh, you look yeah. at the, you look at Jordan won a three peat while Shaq was playing. Um, Allen Iverson won a scoring title while Shaq was playing. In two thousand and two thousand and one, Allen Iverson would win two consecutive scoring titles after that at thirty one point oh eight and thirty one point three eight. And remember, Allen Iverson is only arguably six feet arguably six feet yeah and i want you to think about when's the last time you saw a a person putting up those numbers that was under six feet i mean come on that's crazy (sighs) isaiah thomas from this from uh boston that's it and that's what i mean and that that was short-lived right exactly the isaiah thomas which was extremely short-lived pardon the pun yeah, no, no pun intended. And the only other um, dude, you know, in that ballpark probably be the original uh, Allen um, um, Isaiah Thomas. In 2002 and 2003, I got to tell you, with my eyeballs, this was a bad MFR. And I think that he is thoroughly underrated. If it wasn't for his back issues, I don't know what this dude would be because there was a time. And I'm telling you guys this right now because – we're talking about a league. We're talking about a league that had Kobe in it. This guy, T-Mac, was a problem. Tracy McGrady in 2002 and 2003, he averaged 32.09 and 28 points respectively. And he won scoring titles both of those years. The crazy thing is T-Mac came into the league playing beside his cousin, Vince Carter, Half man, half amazing. Zen out of high school. A great conversation about Vince Carter in relation to Michael Jordan the other day. That was yeah. a great combo. We need to probably bring that up one day in one of our streams. But sure. uh, T-Mac, I mean. Straight out of high school. Straight out of high school. This dude could do it all. Uh, T-Mac was, was insane. And I think that a lot of people don't realize how good T-Mac is. So just to put perspective on his name, he has two scoring titles and he won them simultaneously. All right? And Kobe was playing basketball during that period of time, people. Let's back not get back. it twisted. Yep. That's a fact. He won 2002, 02, 03, and he won 03, 04. Yes, sir. And 04, uh, 05. Allen Iverson came back and won his fourth scoring title at 30.69. So this is interesting because now you're seeing Michael Jordan's retired. There are mm. people battling it out now for 
to stay at the top of the, to the stay at the top of the, the mountain. And it's not easy here. You notice that you start to see more. What is the word they use? Disparity. You know what I mean? But think yeah. about it. in this period, Allen Iverson got four titles, four scoring titles in this period. So, I mean, put some respect on Allen Iverson's name, guys, because Allen Iverson did the damn thing when it was time to do the damn thing. Definitely. Um, and that, that Sixers team, I think, you know, to me, of all the teams I've seen, I mean, I can't think of another team that had, I mean, who was a, who was the second scorer on the, on the Sixers? I mean, <laughs> Man, Eddie Jones, was he still there? Eddie Jones wasn't over on the uh, Sixers then. They had, um, remember they he, had, he, he they was had, a Sixer they first. Had, they had, um, Eddie Jones at by that time was over. Remember at this time when you're talking about these, remember that Eddie Jones was over with the Lakers. He Lakers, was with Shaq, yeah. Nick Van Exel and them. Eddie Jones yeah. was uh their second leading scorer before, you know, Colby would come in and take over the realms, the reigns. Yeah. yeah. And he was tenured with those guys because he played with some so that was a that actually that that Lakers basketball team was a great basketball team. I don't think that people realize how good of a team Colby came on to. He came on to a really, really good team. Um in 2005 and 2006, Kobe Bryant would come in and he would win a couple of scoring titles consecutively. Mm -hmm. So Kobe in 2005, he wins. He he has 35.4. I think that was the 2005-2006 season, right, Zen? 05-06, uh, 35.4 yep. points. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. And in 06-07, Kobe Bryant would average 31.6. So it's... As much as y'all love Kobe, and I love Kobe too, he won two scoring titles. MJ won ten. Just Seven put, in a just row. Just put that in perspective. Ten, and not only a that, total of ten. And not only that, Kobe came in the league the same year as Allen Iverson, and Allen Iverson got four. And this is the guy who patterned his game after Michael. And that is true. Two champion, two scoring and, championships, and I think that that's also significant because he did pattern his game after Michael. Not only that, he also got mentorship by Michael. Right. So when people talk about Mamba mentality, wonder where he got that from. He also remember played played with Mike's coach and Phil Jackson, who could also give him. And you know, Kobe was an inquisitive dude. He wasn't going to let you just not give him information. Right. So he was about probing. He was about getting better. And when you look at that incredible work ethic, I can show you. I can show people because a lot of people don't talk about Mike, but. Mike was a dude who laid the blueprint down because he's he's on the record talking about how he got better. He talked about how he got cut from his high school team and he wasn't having it. <laughs> he got cut <laughs> from his high school team and said, that's it. It's never happening to me again. And everything changed after that. That man mm -hmm. went, went hard in the paint working. And I think that it carried over. Literally. So Kobe Bryant, great scorer. We saw Kobe drop 81. So there's no question that Kobe Bryant was one of the most lethal scorers in the NBA. He does have two scoring titles. And yes, this sir. is nothing to take anything away from anything that Kobe's done because clearly he scored and clearly he can score. But mm -hmm. during this period of time, you do have other players who have had two scoring titles. Shaq has two scoring titles. AI has four. T-Mac has two. T-Mac uh, consecutive scoring titles also. I will say that 30, that uh, 05, 06 year where, uh, where Kobe averaged 35.4, that is an astronomical uh, number. Uh, for scoring, so yeah. he, he yeah, that's, did that's much big. better in 0506 than he that's did in 0607. Now, in 2007, LeBron gets into the mix. 
for the one and only time. Yes, yes, yes. And in his entire long, long career. This is true. But there's something I noticed, though, Sam. Mm -hmm. So in 2007, 2008, LeBron averages 30 and wins a scoring title, which because mm -hmm. I don't think LeBron came into the league. He even said that he didn't come into the league thinking that he could ever win a scoring title anyway. He didn't come into the league like, hey, I'm going to be this scorer, dude. He really came in with a game that he felt as though was, you know, magic-esque. He felt as though he was a passer. Yeah, know? yeah, sure. Look at his All shots. Right. Look at his shots per game and see if that's ever been true. Well, I mean, that's true, but also uh, to his defense, if you may say, because mind mm -hmm. you, Zen, LeBron was the first player that I ever actually followed prior to because he didn't play college, so it was high school. I remember yeah. they were airing his high school games. Yeah. So he was a person I was actually fanning on before he came to the league, and mm -hmm. I think that was the first year I played fantasy sports where I was mm -hmm. blessed to get him, and I followed him, Paul Silas, and what they were trying to do there in Cleveland very closely. Yeah. I feel as though Paul Silas had a lot to do with turning him into the scorer that he was and, and making him take shots because when he first came to that team, just not to go too, get too sidetracked, he came mm -hmm. onto a team that had Ricky Davis, who was a proficient scorer in the NBA. Mm -hmm. They had um, uh, my man Darius Miles was over there. Uh, they had this other dude who was a young player at that time who never really panned out, but he was actually... It was pretty hot, too, this guy, Dewan Wagner. And mm -hmm. you watch them over the year systematically move everybody off of the team. They got rid of everybody. They said, LeBron, you got to stop passing the ball. Because Ricky Davis was, was definitely not shy to do a 360 windmill dunk, you know what I mean, in a fast break. He was definitely uh, not afraid to shoot. Mm -hmm. So I think that he was, he was pushed more into they wanted him taking a shot. Paul Silas really got, got what he wanted out of him. I feel as though Paul Silas was uh, very instrumental in LeBron turning. And LeBron showed other things he could do when he first came into the league also. I remember I saw a game where he played in the post. It was really unclear of what LeBron was going to be as an NBA player when he first came in uh -huh. that very first year. Because LeBron, uh, I saw him playing a post when, 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 uh, in that first year. Paul Silas had him go down in the post. And I'm going to tell you something. LeBron could have been a great post-up player, too. I saw him play against Jermaine O'Neal. Remember Jermaine O'Neal? Yeah, yeah, he played here. Jermaine O'Neal's a legit power forward. He's not no mm -hmm. he's not no Fugazi dude. He, plays, yeah. he played aggressive. Uh, he played Got physical. by Indiana. And one, one game, they had him playing down there. I'll never forget, LeBron was, uh, was, was doing incredibly well, holding his own. And I was like, man, this guy LeBron has so much talent. So I, I'm not going to take anything away from LeBron as far as his ability to score because I feel as though the organization um, just kind of want, they wanted him to be more of a scorer. And I think mm -hmm. that it was good for his career anyway. But any, anyway, yeah. uh, another thing another thing to be noted is that um, when you look at – there's something I found in common with LeBron and Kareem. Even though Kareem did win two scoring titles, notice that these guys who have the most – points scored in nba history did it with minimal scoring titles that's true one and two because it's it's a longevity the points total is just the longevity based type of deal it, it's no measure of your prowess as an offensive player it makes me think of something else too zen because mm -hmm. remember only one person wins a scoring title it doesn't mean that you had a terrible scoring year if you no. lost to 
if you lost in a year where Kobe was averaging 35.6, you could average 32.5 in that year. You know you what just I mean? didn't you get just the didn't title. Score on title. You know what I mean? Right. But you're still accumulating points. Right, right. So it shows yeah. it shows that uh, between Kareem and LeBron that, you know, it's just interesting to note that, you know, these dudes didn't really win a bunch of scoring titles, but they were, uh, they are, like you said, the longevity of them continuing to play and averaging such putting up so much numbers each year, um, you know, really worked in their favor. Mm -hmm. After LeBron in 2007-2008, Dwayne Wade would win one in 2008-2009. He'd average 30.2. So if you could see there between Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, about 30 points can win you a scoring title in the NBA. Yeah, um, and uh, two out of four championships, apparently. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Two out of four. Which, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. <laughs> I didn't say there wasn't going to be no shade on this episode, y'all. There's going to be some shade on this one. Now, that definitely didn't age well. I remember that pep rally speech. Not at that all. definitely did not age well at all. And, you know, and then you also gave, you gave, you, 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 you also helped other people's careers. You know what I mean? Like, Dirk Nowitzki is very grateful for you guys, uh, your shortcomings. I'm, I'm sure of that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He was able to get one on his way out the door. So he's very Terry. happy about that. Yes, sir. J Jason Terry's happy. But this starts J bringing J. J. us to... J.J. is happy. Yep. Now, this starts bringing us more towards our modern NBA, where we have a young man by the name of Kevin Durant who goes on and wins four scoring titles, three consecutively from 2009 to 2011. 2009, he averages 30 points. And, and, and the significance of it is just to show you that in 2007-2008, LeBron had 30, and he won a scoring title. 2008-2009, Dwayne Wade had 30.2. He won a scoring title. 2009-2010, KD has 30 and wins a scoring title. 2010-2011, KD has 27.7 and wins a scoring down. title. In 2011-2012, KD has 28. Yep. And wins a scoring title. So I'm just sh making this known that scoring titles, right? When you see Mike at the high end of the bar or Kareem or, or Wilt, you know what I mean? There are people who won scoring titles. Remember, KD in 2010, 2011, 27.7. Allen Iverson won that one year with the lockout with only with a 26.7. That was only one point less than what KD did. Most years you're probably not going to win a scoring title with those kind of numbers. But there are certain years where you can with the, win with those kind of numbers. And this is modern NBA stuff. So this isn't like back in prehistoric times either. All right? Mm -hmm. um, so 2012, Carmelo Anthony would interrupt that by scoring 28.6 and winning a scoring title. But in 2013, 2014, KD would have his highest scoring average ever when he won a scoring title. And that would be 32 points. Interesting. Wow. So KD has four scoring titles. Allen Iverson has four scoring titles. Michael Jordan, we know, has 10. Wilt has 10. These are the people who have more than two scoring titles. And now we're going to start coming up on a couple of other people who have more than... But think about that, Zen. That's why uh, I have to put respect on KD's name. KD... Has three in he a has row, multiple scoring titles. Three in and, a row plus one. Yep, 
And I gotta give that man respect. But I also wanna put this into, I wanna juxtapose this by something else interesting. Because there's another person that people kind of disrespect often, regularly. He's starting to become kind of the butt of people's jokes. Mm -hmm. I think I know who this is. You you know exactly who it is. And I wanna point something out. Because this man won scoring titles while playing next to Kevin Durant. Sure did. Kevin Durant was on the same team as none other than Russell Westbrook, who they disrespect and call him Russell Westbrook. That is correct. Russell Westbrook averaged 31.5. And won a scoring title in 2016, 2017. But he also won one in 2014, 2015, where he averaged 28 points. So Kevin Durant goes to Golden State 15-16. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, oh. Steph Curry wins the scoring title that season. No, I, I, I apologize for something I misspoke. Okay. KD and KD was next to Russell Westbrook in 2014, 2015. He came off of winning the scoring title. Russell Westbrook won that right. year with 28 points. Right. You you didn't you didn't misspeak, but then right, the next ahead. season he goes to Golden State. Right. That was, the he, year that, that was the year that Steph won a scoring title that year. Right. He loses the scoring title to his point guard teammate again. Again, right? That's right. what I was trying to point out. He, he he lost to him again. And then the next year after that, to Russell. Russell Westbrook comes up. <sighs> that's the thing where you have to put things, you know, and that's the reason why <laughs> I thought this was a good conversation to have because, you know, we immortalize certain people and say, oh, there's nobody. And you can see right here that, you know what I mean? Like, Dudes have won scoring titles in the same seasons. K- KD hasn't run, you know, hasn't run off to the races. You know what I mean? And 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 done some monumental things nobody else has done. Oh you yeah. Know what I mean? Now he's still. I still put respect on his name. I mean, he's definitely done well. But you know, it's not easy winning a scoring title. And after Russell Westbrook, that's when you have somebody coming back and saying, "Hey, you know something, KD? You you got three in a row." I can do it too. Another player who used to play with him. And I, yeah. and I got news for you. The numbers he put up with scoring titles eclipses KD. They do. Definitely they eclipses do. KD. So none James other, Harden in None other than. Wait, you got to give him a proper introduction. None yeah. other than Houston strip club legend. Yes, sir. James Harden. <laughs> <laughs> He, he's known here, for that. Somebody out here in the YouTube world calls this guy titties over titles. <laughs> titties over titles. <laughs> I always laugh when I hear that one. That one makes me, <laughs> I chuckle immensely when I hear that. The only, but James the only Harden, question is, his own titties or somebody else's? That's the only only. Question. <laughs> <laughs> the only question here is who's... <laughs> who's titties? That's the only question. Oh, man. Who's sucking whose titties tonight? Exactly. <laughs> Professor Clump. But go ahead, go ahead and speak on your man. You you got a pair of his shoes, from what I understand. I got a couple of his shoes. His shoes okay. are hard. I definitely like his shoes. All right. But in 2007, 17, 2018, Harden goes for 30.4, wins himself a scoring title. He comes back and follows it up the next year, averaging 36.1 points a game, which Cooking. is the highest scoring title we've seen since... Kobe 36. and Mike, not as much as Mike, but uh, a little bit more than Kobe. 
Yeah. And that's insane. Now, mind you, um, I'm not going to speak about the glitch that he was allowed to exploit because I really feel as though the league should have cracked down on that a lot earlier. And since the league has cracked down on that, you know, we haven't seen him go anywhere near close to these waters again. But well, well, we did say we'd speak about the rule changes. So, yes, that glitch, uh, you know, that um, gather step. I mean, it's one thing to do the gather step. That's what you want to do. But the the side step, it's, it's, it's unfair defensively. I was a defensive player. And when you're playing defense, you're watching you're watching the feet of the offensive player. Why? Because you only get two steps after when you stop dribbling the basketball. Mm-hmm. So when you have a person that's able to take two steps and then you square up because you have to square up to actually contest the shot. Yeah. But then you allow them to take a whole other side step. Like I've always questioned that. I've always felt as though that was very uh, cheesy and yeah. cheap, but it's only a, it's only a, a penalty if the ref calls it. I think that's another reason why we've seen a scoring explosion. You're allowed to travel now. I was, and that's one of the things I want to get at also because we're going to talk about. Uh, it makes sense for us to talk about the reason why we have, um, why we have more points scored in current NBA games that they did back in the, you know, in the '90s when Jordan was playing. I mean, clearly there were rule changes and this and 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 uh, allowing people to do certain explo- exploitative things is one of them. For example, that that wasn't the only thing that Harden was able to get away. Remember, you were able to throw yourself into defenders. Yeah, I was going to mention that, uh, you know, Damian Lillard got hurt a little bit by that rule, too, where you could pause your jump or time your shot or jump into a defender from the front, you know, jump backwards into a defender and draw a foul. You could still do a lot of that stuff. But the more blatant um, attempts to draw a foul have been curtailed by the NBA and James Harden had to make a quick adjustment, a serious adjustment. And it, it cost him probably six, seven points a game. Exactly. I Plus, I, I forgot. I wanted to actually have you look up when they did the change. When was the rule change where they were allowed to play zones? Remember that mm. back in um in Jordan's era, you had to play man on man. Now you didn't necessarily have to play man on man. I got into a contentious uh, conversation with another YouTuber once, and mm. he was talking about how um and he was saying some stuff, and some of that stuff was disingenuous. What he was saying, I'm gonna just be flat out with you. In order to play man, you have to be within the proximate area of a offensive player. You cannot just stand in the middle of empty space. All right. Conversely, there are things called zones. A two, three is a common zone that they use. Mm-hmm. There are a few other zones, but basically, what zones are are they allow you to kind of hide weaker defenders, if you may say so, because you don't have to guard a particular man. You can actually right. guard space within the confines of there is some sort of um, structure to whatever defense that you're running. Right. This now, is my area to defend the wing or the post or whatever area it is. Right. Now where the dude was, was getting, what I was talking about when you was able to play man, you could also double team a person or you could triple team a person, which means that you can have a player come from one other dude and float over to a guy. Right. And they could even float back to the person that they're supposed to be covering. Sure. Now, mind you, that you 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 can only get away with that under the premise that you're actually going to go and cover somebody. Yeah, and it has to be effective, or you're going to leave somebody open right and, away. And that's why. And these are things that you do when you want somebody to pass the basketball. Yeah. And with zone basketball, the one thing that you will always be able to do in zones because the the ball moves faster than people, and the zone encourages teams that play. Um, um, structured offense is like if you see in college, why do you think that mm-hmm. coaches always tell you they want you to pass the basketball? Mm-hmm. Because this stretches the zone. 
Yeah. Just stretches the zone. The, the rotation gets them out of out of a, the range of a shooter eventually. Exactly. And you will be able to create open shots for yourself. So this yeah. modern era of basketball, which is three, we have so many three-point shooters, and uh, the, the Golden State Warriors, who are a notorious team for taking threes, has some great shooters. And their offense works great for them, stretching out anybody who wants to play zone. Uh, they have a couple of good penetrators. makes it difficult for you to even play one-on-one with them, especially if you've been playing zone. But eventually, you know, the thing about uh, outside shooting is that it has waves. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not a high percentage mm-hmm. shot. It's a low percentage shot, but it's a higher percentage shot if you have higher percentage shooters who are shooting these things. When you have guys like Steph on one hand and Clay Thompson on the other hand, you know, you're going to be able to find uh, some shots, especially when you go and add to your abundance of wealth and get – KD, who had four scoring titles, go over there. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, hey, we can do what we've already been doing. Plus, we got somebody that you guys were already having a hard time dealing with on a one-on-one basis. So, and so were we. Shoot the three too. So, you we know, took what I mean? a, we like, took an else? enemy off the board. Not only did we take him off the board, he's with us. Yeah. So, I mean, like quite naturally. So, understand that the scoring being up um, is is also indicative of one of the rules changes that they made to defense, which they specifically changed. So to have scoring go up post Michael Jordan ever to make the game more exciting. So it was important to, to point that out there. But nonetheless, James Harden does have three scoring titles, 30 points per game, 36.1, 2009, 2020, he had 34 points per game. And it's amazing because he hasn't come anywhere close to those numbers since then. Or close to a title. Yeah. I don't know which he's further away from. A scoring title or a real title, but he's for, it seems like he's pretty far away from at least one of them. Yep. Yeah. I mean, of all all the folks that we talked about scoring leaders, the two that stick out as the non-title contending as ones, you know, I, I don't want to take a shot at AI, but I'll say AI and Harden. Harden is well, the most non-contending as one. But here's the difference between AI and Harden. AI is actually made it to the finals. One, yeah, yeah. All right. One, two, AI's teams. Well, when the AI did this, this wasn't in 53 pointers a game basketball. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, we, we sure. really can't even think about who maybe the second scorer is on that team. He wasn't playing next to, like, you know, uh, Clint <laughs> Capella, where you was able to throw your little lob all day long to offensively. In fact, he had weak, weak interior um, bigs. And he had non-scoring um, um, guards and small forwards alongside with him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and aside from that, Allen Iverson was playing in a Kobe era where he was yeah. outperforming Kobe. And, you know, James Harden put up a lot of uh, a lot of uh, points, but AI didn't have this glitch going for him that um, Harden had. Yeah, just my, you know, hey, somebody can contest me on that, push back on me on it. I'm all for it. Get into our comment section, leave them down there. You know, you think I'm lying? Hey, feel what you have to feel. But I feel as though James Harden, he had, he had a lot of things going in his favor. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, yeah. He even had Chris Paul over there one of those years, didn't he? I think the final season that he was in Houston was with Paul. I'm pretty sure. No, no, Westbrook was there his final season in Houston. So it was Either him way. Either way, Harden had Harden had more offensive help than 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 AI easy. I think it was Paul one year, and then Paul went to Phoenix, and then Westbrook came, mm-hmm. and then they went. He went to Brooklyn, and Westbrook went to DC. Yeah. 
so in 2020, Steph Curry, now, and this is the beautiful thing, because Steph has his second scoring title with a respectable 32 points a game in 2020-2021 season. Yeah. So Steph actually has more than one scoring title, which is amazing because there's some people who, who act like he's not even the leading scorer on his team. Two titles and four rings. Two I titles, got... two yeah, scoring got... titles, four rings. He's ranking. He's ranking on the GOAT list. Now, he's nowhere near the top of the list, of course, but he's ranking. Well, those scoring, I mean, to me, scoring it, titles matter. The thing to me is the reason why I think this is a good conversation is because I'm putting respect on these people's names mm-hmm. because this isn't um this isn't some subjective thing. I'm not going out and saying, hey, you know, the most lethal scorer in the NBA is Kobe because he scored 81, right? We're talking about people who've earned something that only one person earns every year, and Steph Curry has two scoring titles, making him a legit, legitimately one of the most lethal scorers in the NBA playing right now as we speak. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And if you, I bet if you look at average over the last 10 years, he's going to be top three in scoring average over the last 10 years. And, you know, uh, we, look at, we look at scoring champ as one year by year, but look at it over the last 10. And you're going to see this, the same names you expect, the exact same names you expect. And the crazy thing and is, before Steph Curry's injury this year, he was he was one of the leading scorers in the league again this year, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he was on his way to MVP. If it kept up, well, they were kind of losing, but he was 34 a game before he got hurt. Yeah, I think, like that, that. Uh, I think that he solidified himself. Now, um, mm-hmm. 20, 21-22, the scoring leader was Joel Embiid with 30 points. Now, this brings us to the next conversation. Because, one, first off... I'm not surprised that Joel Embiid uh, won a scoring title at all. Uh, no, no. I picked Joel Embiid up fantasy-wise. I saw him play a couple of years ago in a preseason, and I was looking at his game, and I said, man, what more does Joel Embiid have to do? I mean, Joel Embiid really is a, a very solid big, um, modern yeah, generation big. I mean, he can hit the three. He grabs rebounds. Um, well, he had, he had to realize that most Africans are lactose intolerant. <laughs> and stop drinking three milkshakes before every game, four milkshakes or whatever it was. I mean, I don't know oh. if you ever heard Landry Shamit talk about him. No, oh, man. I haven't shared Landry, share with the Landry Shamit was his rookie, and he would make Landry get four vanilla shakes from Chick-fil-A before every damn game. Wow. Four. And that was his pregame drink. Now, I know from my own personal experience being lactose intolerant, if you have it, that's a nightmare. And he was sick for how long? Like he, they kept talking about his stomach issues and this and that, and he just couldn't get going. As soon as he figured out he was lactose intolerant and stopped with all the dairy and stuff, his numbers just went straight up. I'm just trying to figure out why. Why would you even want to do that? I mean, you play basketball, right, Zen? I mean, just as as fun on the playground, but I've I've never been seven foot tall and two hundred eighty pounds either. I can't imagine drinking a milkshake before playing basketball. Like, do you know what kind of? Oh my, that's just a that's just a bad formula. Four of them. That's a bad recipe, bro. Right, but that's what he was doing. He had Landry Shamit in the interviews out there. You can see him. (laughs) And I'm like, yo, that's what's wrong with dude. He's freaking lactose intolerant. And don't know. He needs to needs to cut it out, man. 
unless your NBA routine is drop a deuce at halftime, it's probably not a good oh, idea to drink a milkshake. Look. Nonetheless, four of them. Yeah. <laughs> either, your kicks. Either way, he had a he did have a great season last season. And to be to be honest and to give credit um where credit is due, LeBron James could have won that scoring title last season. Yes, he it's could just have. that he took a lot of criticism for playing in garbage time and he sat his butt down. And Rightfully that's so. another thing with these scoring titles. I'm glad you mentioned that because what I've noticed is at the end of the season, um, if you're on a team that's winning and has is, is secured its place in the postseason, nine times out of ten, you're getting ready to get shut down. All right, you're they're gonna slow you down because it, yeah. it does it's it's not worth the injury. Right. And you have an advantage when you play on a trash team <laughs> because you're playing a lot of garbage minutes, a lot of meaningless basketball, and you can kind of, you know, your your coaches can kind of kind of fudge you uh yep. to put you out there and then you could do a bunch of corny stuff. And I want you to think about it because in the past couple of seasons, Joel and B. This isn't the only scoring. Joel and B was in contention for the scoring title of the year before that too, if I'm correct. But where his was. team was, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like you might not finish out. You might not finish out some of them games to put up some of them numbers. And it's important to, to know that. I think that a lot of people who just are casuals don't realize that at the end of the season, those uh, you know winning the scoring title can be adjusted by just minuscule little things pertaining to um, how much you're playing. So I want you to think about my Michael Jordan scoring scoring numbers went down. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is a dude that was playing on teams that are three-peated. These are teams that they already locked it up. One of those teams has 72 wins. At the end of the season, they didn't have an interest in playing Michael Jordan a whole bunch of minutes. That's true. That's true because why burn them out? Yep, and they do At that the every year. Yeah. So that brings us to the conversation on who do we think will win a scoring title this year and who do we think the most lethal scorers will be of this upcoming generation. And now, mind you, we've seen it's doable to win three scoring titles in a row. Mm -hmm. It's doable to win four scoring titles. Um, It's definitely doable to win a couple of them. Right now, I think that you mentioned one of my prime candidates. So I I definitely want to... I, I really feel as though Luka Doncic is, and, and for a couple of reasons, I think that he could win a scoring title. First off, if you look at Luka Doncic's averages in the postseason, and you're looking at a dude who gets in the postseason consistently every year anyway to get those extra games, mm-hmm. um, his postseason averages in the playoffs rival only Michael Jordan, which are ridiculous. Um, his regular season numbers this year, what, what, is, what is his averages right now, Zen? 34 points a game. Um, let me see what he's averaging. He's actually playing right now um, and losing to Oklahoma City. But he's um, actually he's off tonight. That's why he's losing to Oklahoma City. Um, yeah, I don't want to do this right now, but let's let's just say he's averaging 34 points a game. Either way, that's still, like I've said, and we've looked at all these numbers, 30 points, 34 points a game is going to win you a scoring title in most years. Yeah, that I'm sure of. I'm sure of his points per game. I don't know about his assistant rebounds, but he's probably averaging near a triple-double. Right, yeah, we're just talking about, we're talking about just scoring and the fact that this dude is a high usage rate. 
You know what I mean? Mind oh, you, yeah. like you said, he, he gets re- rebounds. He gets assists. Oh, he yeah. carries his team. He's He literally carries his team. He is the marquee player on his team. And yeah. he is the most likely to put up 30 points pretty much of anybody in the league at any given night. So, yeah, this guy is incredible. Um, Steph Curry already has two scoring titles. Steph Curry was leading the league in scoring in this season. I don't think that his I don't think that his tenure is over by a long shot. Um, he did get injured, um, and it could come down to whether or not one of the other, you know, leaders gets injured. But he's missing games right now. So, depending on how, you know, what the cutoff is, what the determinants are, he could be disqualified by missing games. Yeah, I think that he that'll probably be his biggest issue for this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, aside from the fact that you know. Um, he has to come back. He still has to catch. He's still looking up at Luca, but he he was leading the league in scoring when he was healthy earlier on in the season. And yeah, uh, I'm just saying that looking looking to the future, uh, mm-hmm. Steph Curry. You know the thing about Steph Curry is these are actually the same questions he had early in his career. You know his questions are, can you stay on a court? You know what I mean? Yeah, because of his ankles. Yep, yep. So yeah. I think that he could be a person who can, you know, before it's all said and done, and. How many more years do you think Steph really has? I mean, Steph is, he's not a young, he's not a young, a young, um, you know, he's not a young buck uh, NBA wise, but he ain't, I don't qualify him as an old buck either. No, I think he's got five good years in him. Um, especially if he adopts his game to become more of a spot up shooter. I can't see him continuing to run around screens forever. That's going to cause more injury. You're going to get older and slower and it'll be less effective. But if he can transform into more of a spot up, let Jordan Poole take that more dynamic off-ball uh, role. Maybe even bring in another playmaker because I think Draymond's Draymond's cooked at this point. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think he can he can be effective for another five years. This is the greatest shooter we've ever seen. So yeah. nothing else, he can sit in the corner and knock down threes. I've always else. looked at Steph Curry as he he's like what Reggie Miller would could have been if he was a point guard. Because Reggie used to run around those screens. I mean, the whole offense yeah. ran around him running around screens. But Reggie actually, I think that Reggie ran a little bit more than Steph. Steph runs around a lot. But Reggie yeah. used to run double and triple screens, back ends. He'd be on one side of the court. The next, I mean, every play was him expending a lot of energy running around. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't have the ball in his hand all the time or whatever. But he didn't need much space or whatever. And Steph Curry having a, the advantage of being a point guard can do pretty much whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. I think it's, it's phenomenal either way. But I yeah. still think that um, I th- I still think that Steph could uh, potentially do a little bit more than what he's already done, and he's already done really good so far in the NBA. Are there any other young players out there, or maybe some other players out there that you think might um, be a person that we need to watch out for? I mean, we talk a lot Scoring. about the mellow ball and stuff like that. I'm, yeah, I think John Morant is the second coming of Allen Iverson, and at some point his scoring is just going to be unstoppable. Um, there's a few guys like that, but nobody that I see offensively dominating long-term in the way we've seen some of these other guys yet. I mean, Jokic is kind of doing that, but he's all-around dominant more than yeah. more than just scoring. Um Right now, it's it's hard to even say who the best offensive player outside of maybe Stephen Curry is in the NBA. It, it's there's so much talent. Kevin Durant, I'm, I'm sure, would come to mind quickly. But there's so much talent that it's it's hard to say. Um, but I don't think that talent will ever stop flowing. 
And I think it's important to acknowledge that as we move forward, like you said before, without diminishing the history. And I do think you know, the skill set's going to get better and better as time goes on. So you will see the next level score. You are seeing the next level scores in Kevin Durant and um, some of these other guys that you're seeing uh, put up these crazy numbers right now. Donovan Mitchell, 71 points. You're seeing the next level right now. But one thing yeah. I wanted to point out, um, one thing I, I know we're getting a little long here, but one thing I wanted to point out in terms of point production for the scoring champs, right? Looking at all-time history, if I knock out Wilt Chamberlain from basically 61, I mean, let's just say if I just take out Wilt Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, his 86-87 year, he scored 3,041 points total. That was the year he averaged 37 points a game. Um, take out Will Chamberlain some more. The next highest, Jordan. The next highest, Kobe. Um, McAdoo, Kareem, Harden, Barry, Jordan, Archibald, Chamberlain, Chamberlain, Jordan, Lou, Durant. So modern era Kevin Durant is really the first one to show up on this list, right? Mm -hmm. And the year that he won MVP, 32 points a game, he scored 25, 2,593 points. He scored 500 less points, basically, than Jordan did. Or actually, 300 less points than Jordan did in the same amount of games. Wow. Is that crazy? Yeah. That's interesting. See, I wasn't even going to go and crunch those numbers like that, Zen, but I could always count on you to crunch some extra numbers. I mean, it, it gets a little – when you start seeing how many points they all scored in these in these scoring seasons, like Dwayne Wade is 23-86. Um, Robinson that year that he won was 23-83. Um, the lowest Jordan ever scored in a – in a championship or a scoring championship year, it looks like he scored twenty three fifty seven, uh, but the absolute lowest in the modern era, nineteen eighty eight nineteen eighty nine. We're gonna throw out that Allen Iverson because he only scored twelve hundred eighty four points in the in a lockout year. We'll throw that yeah. one out. The lowest in the modern era, two thousand eleven through two thousand twelve, Kevin Durant eighteen hundred fifty points. Wow. And it's crazy, too, because, you know, even even when we I, I think that remember, we went through that section where we where we showed where KD uh, lost the scoring title to his teammate, then lost the scoring title to his teammate again. And then yeah. after that, you know, what I mean, um, I think that Russ won another uh, scoring title. So it seemed like what ended up happening is that the point guard started to kind of take over, like, you know what I mean? The point guard was dominating. Um, looking at it season by season here over the last, let's say, whew. Okay, we had last year was Embiid. That's the center. That's anomaly. Because before that, it was guard, guard, mm -hmm. guard, 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 guard. Now, that's mostly Steph and James Harden, but Westbrook thrown in there. So those three, Harden, Westbrook, and uh, Curry dominated from 15 until 21 in terms of of scoring championships those three interesting That's really stuff interesting, interesting yeah, stuff it yeah it is you can see clusters 
you can oh. clearly see clusters. And you know, yeah. the thing that was the thing that kind of shocked me also when we were going through this was Kobe. Kobe, um, you know, mind you, him and Shaq both have the same amount of scoring titles. And as much as we revere Kobe, and mm. Kobe was a Kobe was definitely a chucker. <laughs> Kobe was never really my favorite basketball player. He became one of my favorite basketball players in retirement, though. I really loved Kobe post post retirement because mm-hmm. I was able to see him a little bit different. But Kobe was definitely a, a chucker. But still, in all, I remember when Kobe had his um his case in Colorado, and I was looking at this guy going nuts every night. Oh man, he was a possessed that year. <laughs> he was. Like he was man. playing for his freedom. He was That's what everybody said. Everybody was. Like he's playing for his freedom. Look at him. He was, and and listen to put it in perspective. He averaged fifty points against the Phoenix Suns during the regular season that year. He averaged fifty against that team. Bro wasn't playing for his freedom, but he was playing like he was mad. I will say. <laughs> man, stop it, Zen. That man was playing for his freedom for real. <laughs> he was like, you know, something to fight to it. I just drop sixty. He forget about it in the morning. <laughs> Don't worry, don't worry. I Hold got on, you. Zen, Zen. It was, he was playing for his freedom. Think about it. He would come fresh. Listen, he'd be listed as questionable for the game because he had court that day. <laughs> he stepped, he stepped fresh off the plane, no shoot around or nothing. That was horrible. That whole period of time was just horrible. Uh, I felt so bad for him. I really did. Oh, man, but, I'll tell but, you what. But the historic numbers, man, I mean – this is why I love data and crunching numbers and, and getting it into this stuff because you're looking at Jordan 86-87 scored 800 more points in his 86-87 game, 86-87 season than LeBron James did in his scoring champion season. 800 yeah. more points. That was a bad dude, man. And that's pre that's pre championship, Jordan. Yeah, that's pre championship. Thirty seven points a game. Pre champ. This is Air Jordan. Come fly with me, and you wonder why this guy became such a a dominant focal point. And you can see pockets where certain players came into their prominence. Like I hear a mm-hmm. lot of people downplaying Allen Iverson. You might not like it, but his four scoring titles came in a, in, a, in a period of time where you can clearly see his finger was all over the NBA. Aside from that, mm-hmm. he was also one of the more um, impactful players. He was one of the more liked, more well liked players in the entire league. And yep. I really think that he was um, at that point, despite his contentious uh, relationship with the NBA um, mm-hmm. on the street. Allen Iverson had that street cred for real. I mean, oh, even yeah, Kobe yeah. wasn't getting love like Allen Iverson. He no, and he, that. not upsetting. He was from Philadelphia. He felt like Allen Iverson kind of stole the city. Same way Isaiah felt about Mike. Mm-hmm. He yep. stole my city. Yep, exactly. So it, it gets personal out there. But the mm-hmm. thing about it is, you know, you can't say somebody stole something that they well, I mean, you could say that they stole it because they definitely went out there and took it. You know, what I mean, when you go out there and you start um, winning scoring titles and you start, you know, um, becoming prominent and, and, you, and people start gravitating towards wanting to watch you. I can't think of somebody in that that period of time when Allen Iverson was playing was more watchable than Allen Iverson. He was a no, very he was watchable basketball player. He was box office, and I got I got mad because when he was in Denver, I bought a ticket to go see him and Carmelo, and AI didn't play that night, and I was yeah. really upset because I had seen Carmelo a thousand times, and I was like, ah, damn it, yeah. okay. 
But before we wrap up, I wanted to just one more one more stat throw at everybody tonight. We're going to run down the top 10 scoring averages for scoring champs here in the modern era. Like I said, I'm throwing Will Chamberlain out. Um, Rick Barry, I'm going to throw him out too. We're just going to mention in the modern era, so pardon me for skipping over some guys with respect. But um, 37.1 points per game, Michael Jordan. James Harden, 36.1 points per game. Kobe Bryant, 35.4 points per game. Yep. Michael Michael Jordan, 35 points per game. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 34.8 points per game. That's the top five since Kareem. Continuing, um, again, skipping over Wilt. Sorry, Wilt. Sorry, Bob. Harden, 34.3 points a game. Mm-hmm. Nate Tiny Archibald, 34 points a game. Mm-hmm. Jordan, 33.6 points a game. Skipping over Wilt again. Uh, George Gervin, 33.1 points a game. We didn't mention George Gervin because he's not a multiple. That's and right. finally, in that top 10, your guy, New York Knicks legend Bernard King. Bernard King. Yes, sir. This has been State Lethal Podcast Episode 6 with myself, Zen Master, and my co-host, Quiz Mathematics. We will be back next week with another topic. Um we want to thank everybody for, for watching. Thank everybody for listening. We are going to put everything up, two episodes actually up for audio podcast. Um, right after this, I'll download this episode. We'll get it out on the platforms and you'll be able to hear two new episodes, both episode five and episode six. Episode seven is already kind of planned. And yes, to give sir. you a sneak preview, it's going to be like Queens hip hop-ish. You know what I mean? Queens hip hop and basketball go together like... I don't know, hot dogs and what ketchup and mustard and relish and all that. It's like a like a perfect combination. Queens hip hop and basketball. What what could go wrong? There you I mean go. that's that's got to be Lamar Odom. That's got who else? Who else Lamar you got as a preview? Uh, uh, preview as far as like um, players or yeah. Well, Ron Artest, Lamar Ron Odom. Artest. You know, uh, I'm sure there's a whole uh, Mark lot. Jackson. Oh, Mark Jackson, that whole New York City point guard movement. I'm sure there's some guys out of Queens. Skip to um, my Lou. Skip to my Lou. But we'll we'll talk about those connections between hip hop and Queens in particular, because I'll be honest, Queens is my favorite borough when it comes to hip hop in, in New York. And um, I've always been able to kind of put those two together. So look forward to that episode coming up soon. We got big things planned for this year. This is your boy Zen Master and Quiz. And as always, stay lethal. That's what it is. We'll see y'all on the next go round. All right, y'all.